welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is no one. I gave them all the week off from the podcast because we just spent two full days with 21 amazing new home marketers at the Market Proof Marketing Academy. And everyone did such a fantastic job. I said, take a break. We've, we've been together two full days, especially virtual days, as you know, are longer than real days. But it was amazing to hear and watch everyone learn and participate. It was still a ton of fun, even though it was a virtual event. We'll ha have some of their feedback at the end of the episode for you to hear more about that. But right now, it's just me. So let's dive right in to the news. First up from Midman.com, what does Zillow fear? Not who you think. There's another company out there called CoStar Group, and they're more afraid, Inman says, or actually Brad Inman, the staff, staff <laughs> says staff writer on the article, it's funny. Um, he's the owner and founder of the company as well, as you know. Uh, he asks, is Zillow afraid of Keller Williams, Compass, Rheology, or Realtor.com? Nope. How about Open Door? Of course, both companies are pioneering the budding iBuyer movement, but Zillow faces a bigger threat. And the company is not even in the residential for sale business yet. CoStar is a 33-year-old commercial real estate data company knocking on the door of online residential real estate and could be on the scene by next year. It was reported last week that CoStar is in talks to acquire CoreLogic. Why is that a big deal? Because the data giant CoreLogic has 600,000 real estate agents as clients and 17 of the 20 largest MLS organizations, which could put it in the home listing business overnight. The company also has a lead in the mortgage-related data business. Such a merger worries Zillow because CoStar is a good executor. Look at its rental property, Apartments.com, which has already outpaced Zillow rentals on revenue and the size of its inventory. So what's interesting about this is there, the space is just simply too big for any one player to completely dominate. And I still believe that Zillow is going to have the dominant position for many years to come due to the brand awareness of the consumer more than anything else. But as we're going to talk about a lot in this episode, things can shift fast in the world of technology, very, very fast. And so that doesn't mean that any incumbent can ever feel safe, but it's interesting to hear uh, from the folks on the existing home side that they really think that Zillow is going to have increased competition due not because of the brand from this other company, although people do generally know the really bizarre commercials from apartments.com with Jeff Goldblum, where he's like some kind of futuristic Steve Jobs combined with a, a horror uh, villain. I don't know if you've seen those, but they're, they're terrible. Um, but because of the data that CoStar has access to might give them a competitive edge in a way to, to catch up. And especially the MLS item there is probably particularly interesting. We've got someone coming up here in a couple of weeks who's going to talk to us more about the MLS in detail. So we're excited about that. All right, moving up from DigiDay, media buyers say this is the norm, not the exception. Why media buyers need to prepare for issues with Facebook's ads manager. How many of you on election night or thereafter had some issues with your Facebook ad account? 
I see those hands. <laughs> I see those hands. Yes, it was. I got a bad feeling about this. Kind of a time. We had Facebook ad accounts getting messages. They were simply closed down, like deleted, bye-bye, gone. People, we, people I haven't interacted with in person in probably seven years were DMing me on different platforms like, okay, I know I'm not in housing, I know, but what are you seeing? Because this is freaking me out. And this wasn't the first time this year this happened. It happened uh, a couple months ago. I don't recall what the circumstances were around that, but it happened in about a 24 hour period, came back on. So we were able to kind of let everyone know this is just likely to be a little blip. I imagine they were scrambling to try to stop all of the political related ads or misinformation on the platform that was trying to be launched at that time. And so I just think Facebook uh, said, shut it all down for a little while, slow it down. So it's just not going to be a rare thing. There's going to be more and more hiccups lightly, likely in the future. And so there's a couple things here, uh, not necessarily from the article, but just generally that you need to be aware of. One, you're gonna have to start planning further out on your ads so that they're inserted and approved prior to. Again, raise your hands if you're not driving. If you've had issue with, with ads being rejected outright, even though you're following all the guidelines even though you're checking that this is you know an, an ad related to, to housing and real estate you follow the rules and it still gets automatically rejected we've all been there it's going to happen probably more not less especially since facebook gave almost all of the employees the week of thanksgiving off so this is an example where you're you're not just always going to be relied most of the time it, you should be okay but you're not going to be able to if you need an ad for tomorrow throw it out there and have a certainty that is going to run the next day that's just one of the things you're going to have to take into account. The other is you do have to have a diversified strategy. If your only answer is Facebook and Instagram ads and it goes down for any period of time, I mean, goodness, YouTube just went down for like 30 hours. Can you imagine if your income was related to, to people watching videos on YouTube? That's one third of your income gone roughly every day that, that it's not running. So you do have to be diversified. You do have to still continue to be aware of other platforms. One of the interesting things we saw at the Market Proof Marketing Academy, we had everyone do a pretest. We said, Google Analytics, scale of one to 10, rate yourself. Google Ads on a scale of one to 10, rate, rate yourself. And on Facebook, scale of one to 10. By far, it was not even close. The winner of the platform that people were most comfortable with was Facebook and Facebook advertising, by far. That would not have been the case three years ago. And now it's almost so much the case that that tends to be the one trick pony that marketers go to. And there's reasons for that. I'm not even saying that that's surprising, but it can't be the only trick. It can't be the only tool in your bag. So just don't, don't be surprised as we start getting more um, congressional intervention in technology as more and more um, bad actors try to use the platform incorrectly, that there's going to be these disruptions in the service there's almost no way that it couldn't continue to happen more. So just, we gotta be prepared. All right, that's it for the news as a, as a solo episode. I wanna dive in next to a special Facebook educational event, let's say that they put on, that they invited us to. The main idea is that privacy is too big of a thing to ignore, not just because of consumer outcry about privacy, but because the folks running the platforms that browsers run on web um, computers, Microsoft phones, Apple, uh, and the browsers themselves are all phasing out the ability to use cookies, 
uh, pixels, et cetera. And so we have to start talking about what's coming next and what the impacts of this are going to be. So just going to go through a couple of top slides here and try to walk you through. This is, this is very, 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 very important. Okay. This will set up 2021, 2022 and beyond. Okay. So privacy and personalized advertising, how do they work together? Personalized advertising is what Facebook and Instagram offers, certainly. Personalized in terms of the content to the interests that you have. From the marketer's side, personalized in terms of finding those people that are the best ones for your message. So they start out with two interesting stats that seem to be at odds to each other. And this, again, as you know, at Do You Come, we're really big on understanding the biases and the, and the goals of the person sending you the message. That's really important to not get screwed over and over again. You have to be listening to people you trust. And if you're not, if they're not someone that you trust fully, you have to always be aware of what are their goals, what are their biases when you're taking in the data. So let's just keep that in mind as we go through here. The first stat is that 91% of consumers say they are more likely to shop with brands who recognize, remember, and provide them with relevant offers and recommendations. That's from an Accenture study in 2018. Okay. And they combine that stat with the fact that 97% are somewhat or very concerned about protecting their personal data. So these are almost directly at odds at each other, but shocker, consumers want it all. I want it all. Don't you want it all? So they want brands who recognize, remember, and provide them with relevant offers and recommendations, but they also are somewhat or very concerned about protecting their own personal data. Okay. So then they gave a timeline here of different government regulations and technology company policies that have caused the ads ecosystem to rapidly evolve to meet people's expectations around privacy. So in 2018, there was GDPR regulation and web browsers began to limit or block some cookies or give consumers the ability to control the cookies that were on their device. Then in 2019, mobile device providers announced policies requiring users to opt in to tracking. 2020, we had the California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA, as well as another one for Brazil that I'm just going to call LGPD. In 2021, now in the future, app developers will need to ask some users for, for permission to track them. Implicit okay from people to track what they're doing on apps. New policies will impact measurement and attribution across desktop and mobile browsers. This will impact the Facebook and Instagram apps, as well as the whole other suite of things that they own as well. And in 2022, most web browsers will no longer support cookies. Cookies are those things that track you. And when we say cookies, the pixel more or less goes in that same bucket. So they make the case that the advertising ecosystem is evolving. And they say it's evolving in three ways. The first evolution is how data itself is managed. And companies are going to be required to give more transparency and control over how people, what data people choose to share and how it is managed. The second one is how data is surfaced. Now that's an interesting word to use, um, but essentially we have to change how we get the data. We'll dive into that a little bit more, but how the data is surfaced just means how the, how the consumers are choosing to get us their data. Choosing is also an interesting word, stay tuned. The third evolution is how data is sourced meaning um, how what kind of value companies give consumers in trade for their data. That's going to become a big concept. Right now, you don't have to do a lot of trading as home builders. 
we've all experienced this with other folks. So there was a, a pretty cool, um, large artwork company, uh, for like a, an office, you know, it wasn't inspirational stuff. It wasn't that corny stuff. It was something that just looked really good. So I clicked to the website and I am immediately hit with a, Hey, if you give us your email, you'll get 20% off. And then I give them my email address. Hey, if you'll give us your cell phone number so we can text you, we'll give you another 10% off. And I said no to that one. I was like, I'll give you my email address. I don't, I don't want any more texts. But this is the thing that we're going to have to come up with an answer for for home builders, and we'll explain why. But how the data is sourced. So data is surface is basically data that consumers giving us that they don't even know really they're giving us. We're just harvesting it by their actions. And then the third evolution is sourcing the data by giving them something of value in order to get their data. And then they switch in the next slide to just kind of breaking down as a quick review. And I'll let you know that basically the consumer goes to a web browser and then your website and the server on uh, that drives your website has the pixel data installed on it. It connects the web browser to the user and, and then to Facebook and the ad platform gets all that data. Similarly, if you're using an app like Facebook or Instagram or Zillow, the app has a device ID that tracks, gives that information to the ad platform so then it can learn who to target better. Okay, So right now it's pixels and device IDs pretty much that are giving that data to the ad platform. And what that's going to shift to moving forward is something completely different. So the problem again is that in 2018, uh, when this cookie kind of campaign to remove cookies it, uh, started, 78% of cookies were still um, delivering and being used. In 2019, one browser blocked third-party cookies by default. So those third-party cookies were especially dangerous because they were just watching everything that happened. Some people call them super cookies as well. Um, those were phased out. And, and the graph they're showing here is again by 2022, one of the world's largest browsers will completely limit the efficacy of third-party cookies altogether. And again, Facebook is a third party on your site. You are the first party. So when you add the Facebook pixel data, third-party data being phased out is a big, big problem. In fact, it's such a big problem that their estimate is that without getting or replacing this conversion data, advertisers will see acquisition costs increase by 150% or greater. A large-scale ranking experiment, experiment with over 20,000 advertisers showed over 150% average increase in cost per action when they moved from conversion optimization to link-click optimization. Those are two terms that if you do a lot of Facebook advertising, you know conversion optimization is where they perform a conversion activity and, and, and drive off that. Link-click just means these are people who are likely to click the link and leave, but may not be the right kind of people to complete the conversion actions you really want. So 150% increase. That's going to be a big deal. So due to these changes across app and the web, businesses, including Facebook and you, the home builder, will find it harder to reach people who have expressed interest in their business, deliver ads that feel relevant or useful, optimize ads towards conversions, circle that one, that's a big what, and then accurately measure and report on campaign results. Reporting is also going to be a big challenge. So the answer that Facebook has for this, and this is both really interesting and really scary, is what they call the conversion API system. Conversion API honors the choices your customers have made about data sharing on your platform and Facebook's platform. So here's the nice thing. The conversion API event sends the data that you have on users to Facebook directly. 
And then whatever your customer has said to Facebook or you, Facebook will help apply those rules. So even if you're collecting data and you send it to Facebook, if Facebook knows that that consumer doesn't want to allow them to look at that information, it won't take it. So again, to repeat, what's nice here is that Facebook is helping you stay compliant. Okay? That's one of the benefits of this, of this process. But essentially what the conversion API again is doing is connecting directly from your CRM to the Facebook ad platform. Say that again, connecting your CRM directly to the Facebook platform. Now that's already available for most of the larger CRM products out there. But what's gonna happen is it's gonna upload all of the consumer data from your CRM that you own as a first party to that data. And then it is going to share it directly with Facebook. Your privacy policies will likely need to be updated because of this, because we're not talking about tracking cookies or pixels. Now we're talking about tracking something else entirely. Email addresses and phone numbers. Now to be clear, Facebook says those will be hashed scrambled, uh, made secure and private before sharing directly with Facebook. So um, if you think about it this way, if you've got a phone number and then you've got a code that represents that phone number, but is not that phone number, but it represents that phone number, that's what Facebook is going to be able to see. And so the idea is that the phone number and the email are still secure and private. Those are not, a Facebook employee in theory would not be able to see those directly. However, it's gonna require a hashed email address or a hashed phone number in order to make a match on an identity for the ad platform. Let me say again, previously page views, which track device IDs and the cookies in the future will not be able to make a match. Facebook will not be able to see who is using your website, who is using Zillow's site, who is using realtor.com, who's on new home source. Uh, who's on your competitor's home site, they will not be able to see. They'll be able to see the um, activity, but not who those people are, which is the big driver of effectiveness. And so instead what they're saying is, hey, you're going to have to give us an email address and a phone number. Now, this is going to cause all kinds of impacts on what we're going to have to do as home builders. So what, what they, in their spin here, what they say basically is you're going to have to come up with a coupon code or some type of value that you're doing. You're going to have to create real value across the customer journey, offer people valuable experiences, prioritize high quality information that preserves performance and ensure responsible data handling. So again, what they're saying is you're going to have to have that information in your CRM in order for you to be able to share it with us. And then we'll use that data to continue to drive effectiveness of your campaigns but you're gonna to have to get that data, which means ironically, in some way, we may see the return of gated content, not for your sales team to follow up with, but gated content simply to get the consumer's permission to take their email address and phone number so we can share it with ad platforms. This will not be a Facebook only thing. Um, this will be on a couple different ad platforms that this is gonna be the change coming. So we're gonna to have to throw up roadblocks or entice consumers with valuable information that they are willing to trade in order to give that to us. Next slide that they show is basically saying that um, as the advertising system evolves and consumers' expectations evolved, we have to continue to shift. So they say, hey, the first the consumer wanted to go online, we had to follow them there. Then they wanted the ability to do search on a website. And generally speaking, we had to follow them there. Then they wanted to interact on social, we had to follow them there. Then mobile, and we had to follow them there. Now consumers want privacy. We have to go there. P.S. Um, we're being forced to go there, but also we have to go there. So that is, that's it in a nutshell. Let me just summarize again. Pixels and cookies going away as a way to track consumers 
due to um, different web browsers and operating systems saying we're not going to allow third party uh, cookies and pixels to be used after 2022 at all. And some are already starting now. So what we have to do instead is get the data to ourselves first, and then we're going to share it uh, kind of behind the scenes via our, our CRMs or servers that hold the data in a data warehouse directly with Facebook. So that's a big shift. That's going to take some understanding of technology. It's going to take some understanding of consumer behavior. It's going to understand under, uh, you have to understand some, some legal implications and make sure your privacy policies are, policies are, are updated and evolved. This is not a small deal. This is something that you need to start working on uh, as we continue into 2020 and 2021 on the early end, because there's really no telling how fast this could accelerate. This, you know, the numbers and the milestones are out there right now, but there's nothing that, that doesn't say that there's another privacy breach somewhere and this gets accelerated even further. Whew. Well, 2020, you've been a year. Thanks for that. And thank you for listening to this solo episode from beginning to end. As we wrap up, I'm going to share with you some takeaways that every, I asked everyone at the end of our two days together, hey, what's something that you learned that you don't think you would have learned anywhere else if you hadn't attended the Market Proof Marketing Academy? Take a listen to their their takeaways and, and what they really enjoyed. I think going back through everything and making sure all my ducks are in a row and all the data, especially analytics, I think that was my favorite part because it all goes into that one place. And if it's not organized and it's not, you can't get the big picture and... Um, so I think really for me, it's like go back through there and make sure everything's working the way it should and everything's connecting the way it should so you can actually read the data properly. I think for me, it's um, knowing because obviously right now we're in the pandemic. So pretty much whatever you do is going to work. So some of the stuff with uh, what we do with Facebook ads and um, going back over the troubled community um, kind of checklists and things you can look at will be super helpful for when the market shifts. I really like that I now understand why we use UTNs and how they're helpful with being able to go back in after the fact to see what's actually working versus what might need some help. Um, I really enjoyed learning how you guys suggested how to advertise better on Facebook with our previous marketing agency. Basically, everything you guys said not to do is things we were doing. We were doing Carousel, we were doing Legion. So just like a 180 turn. So I, I really enjoyed just your thought process over what we were previously doing. Having more direction with what to look for in Google Analytics. I've spent some time playing around in there before, but um, more just wandering through aimlessly trying to figure out what everything does. And then I took a lot of value from the um, slow communities part two, which for us would be more regional mm -hmm. community, but um, just knowing what to look for. Uh, I enjoyed talking about the um, uh, Google ad bidding I think it's so interesting. Uh, my brain likes to think in right and wrong, but I know mm. there is not much right or wrong when it comes to that. The whole trial and error and coming back and reviewing two to four days afterward kind of reinforces that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to keep working towards being better. Um, this sounds really bad, but I honestly knew nothing about collection ads. Yes, Facebook. we changed your life. <laughs> if you run yes. one of those suckers, oh my goodness, it's going to be amazing. Yes. Yeah, I was one of the people that voted like a two or something. I don't. I might have put higher just to try and not look that bad. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. That's exciting. I really appreciated the role playing scenarios, um, like struggling communities or what to do if and when, and and walking through the process either through analytics, um, both analytics, Google and Facebook, and then just practical steps to take to address those. Seeing how everything is integrated between 
the Facebook ad manager, Google analytics, just kind of seeing how, I mean, I know that they were all intertwined, but really diving in to understand what we do or obviously how you guys partner with us and affect all of that. And what are the key things to actually be able to dive into and focus on um, if we need to fix something or make something better? I'd say just the different uses and why you would use a single ad versus a single image ad versus a collection ad and how to benefit and create an ad that's going to be effective for your goal. Don't use lead generation or carousel ads. I love it. Check your analytics every day for five minutes. Yes, you can go ahead and sign up now to be part of the next Marketproof Marketing Academy. We're going to go ahead and schedule three of them for 2021, assuming that the summit is going to continue on in person as planned. We're going to schedule um, three other opportunities to get involved with the Marketproof Marketing Academy. So you can click the link in the show notes below to, uh, to find out more about that. All right, guys, have a great week. We'll see you next time. 